I think a lot of times we don't even feel heard or we don't, you know, we just, because we have maybe, if we haven't had our emotional needs or intimate needs met, usually resentment builds up over time. And then we either, we withdraw and we don't talk about it. And then maybe at some point we, it might come up in a fight or it just might explode at some point. And usually when that happens, there's no way the other person can hold that because all they hear is blame. <laughs> and to just sit down and then also making sure that the, that the conversation doesn't create, go into an argument either is also hard. So, you know, I feel like it's also important that we do have the right communication tools so we can ourse- express ourselves honestly and vulnerably and also that the other person hears us. I've always wondered why we're not taught about relationships when we're younger at school. It's crazy, right? We have to make it up as we go along in life with all sorts of crazy consequences. I'm not sure about you, but I would have definitely benefited from knowing more and be better at it. I know we don't like talking about it and feelings do get suppressed with often the wrong outcomes too. I've not interviewed a relationship expert before, and I've definitely learned more from just interviewing Natalie. I hope you do too, and please do share it widely with others, as just even listening to this interview may help cause a shift in their perception. You just never know. Enjoy. Staying Alive UK. Share your story. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm doing fine today. Thank you. How are you going? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah, not that many guests actually (laughs) ask me. (laughs) So that's really good. Thank you. I'm 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 really jealous because I know you're in Spain, (laughs) so it's nice and warm. And uh, I'm in the UK. We're, We're supposed to be having a better week this week, but. I just uh, not so long ago took the dog for a walk and it's it's not cold <laughs> it's not raining but it's really gray and cloudy it's so bizarre you know our summer um uh, well I I guess everybody's summer is bizarre at the moment right I agree yeah yeah it's been it's been very hot here it has yeah. been very hot so I'm looking forward to when the weather cools down a bit yeah yeah well, we've heard the report, so uh, you know we feel it. I mean, the UK, you know, UK people always want to travel to hot countries, but uh, we couldn't cope with those kind of temperatures either. In the forties <laughs> Celsius, my God, that's just mad, mad. Yeah, it is very hot. It's not pleasant, and I think many people here really enjoy it either. We, hence, there is siestas, so you actually have a break from the heat and you stay indoors. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sensible, isn't it? It's yeah. very sensible indeed. Which I bet all the UK people will be out in the sunshine, <laughs> in the heat, burning, yeah. burning. Anyway, Let enough about up. yeah, enough about the weather. <laughs> um, we're here to to listen to your story. So um, I'll start with the opening question that I ask all my guests, which is, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself, Natalie. Where were you born? Have you moved around? What a little bit about your education? What about your first job? You know, what kind of career have you had? If indeed Mm -hmm. you have, not everybody does. Mm -hmm. And then how did you get to what you're doing today? And then we can really learn more about that because you do some fascinating work and I'm very interested to hear about it. Over Hmm. to you, Natalie. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. Well, I was born in Switzerland and um, my family still lives there. I haven't lived there in 20 years. I left quite young. I moved to Australia when I was 19 years old. (laughs) And um, yeah, um, the plan was for me to be in Switzerland to study business and I did that for one year and it just felt like it wasn't me 
<laughs> so my parents wanted. And, you know, in, in many ways it made sense, but it just was not for me. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. And I've been to Australia before, so I just had this longing to 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 go back and just have 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 adventure. Right. So I did. I um quit my business um education without my parents' really approval and yeah. did some side work, saved up some money, packed up and moved to Australia. And um then they realized that was really real. <laughs> That's uh-huh. what she wants. And then they kind of, you know, became supportive, which I'm very grateful for. So then I did my education in Australia and it was in natural, it was in holistic therapies. And I lived there for 13 years. So wow. in so many ways, <clears throat> it feels like home. Or a part of me feels Australian, a part of me feels like it's home. Yes. And then I um met my husband, who is British. And we moved to Hong Kong together. So we lived there for five years. And yes, I've moved around a bit. Definitely. I mean, I suppose it makes you appreciate uh, people more, perhaps. I don't know. you You get a better sense of the world if you go to different countries. I, I feel that anyway, because I've moved around a little bit too. But can I, can I just ask a really, maybe it's a strange question, how did you get a visa to stay there that long? How did, how mm. did you manage oh, that? Yeah. Oh, oh, that was tricky. <laughs> that was a fight. <laughs> yeah. So when I was studying holistic therapies, it wasn't recognised. So I did all those studies and then it was like, okay, well, you finish your studies, now you have to leave. Right. And I already fell in love with the country and I knew it wasn't time for me to go back to Switzerland. So... Um, I looked at other options and then, you know, another option was just to study further. Right. <laughs> was just hairdressing because it was the fastest, oh. probably straightforward thing I could do. So I could, because I knew I didn't really want to have a change of career. So I studied hairdressing and that gave me my visa. Oh my God. What? <laughs> so you got a visa for studying mm. or a visa for becoming a hairdresser? Which way for becoming around? a hairdresser. For becoming for becoming a hairdresser. So it was an op- occupation in demand. Ah. And because it was an occupation in demand, they would then give you permanent residency. What a wonderful idea. Oh mm. my God. Never knew mm. that. Mm. Never knew that. <laughs> that something like that could be possible. And yeah. whereabouts in Australia were you? I was in Melbourne, so I lived in Melbourne for four years and then I moved to the Gold Coast, to Queensland. Okay, wonderful. Mm. Oh, great. Beautiful beaches in the Gold Coast. Yeah, very, very nice, very relaxed lifestyle. So and then when I was living on the Gold Coast, I opened up. So I've been self-employed for 16 years. <laughs> so I was always a bit of a rebel. I just knew working for somebody it's just, yeah, it's just not my thing. And after I studied, I just knew I could, I just started setting up my business. I was wow. like, right, I'm going to get some flyers. I'm going to let people know what I'm doing. And for some reason, it just worked. It just worked because back in those days, marketing was very different. You kind of would just go around. You yes. would let people know what you're doing. Um, do you know anybody who thinks would benefit from me? And um, people in Australia are quite supportive. Right, And if they know somebody, they will send you away or they're happy to advertise your business. And that's, I built that relatively fast. So I've been lucky that I've been able to, to start, yeah, start doing what I'm, what I love quite, quite fast and doing it for myself as well. And yeah, ever since then, I've just been doing my own thing. At some point I had a health food cafe as well in Australia. So that was really great learnings. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably my best investment into a business. Just, I mean, it cost me a fortune and I didn't really make a lot of money out of it, but I learned so much about how to manage people, how to start a business from scratch. And yeah, it just really taught me a lot, which was such a valuable lesson. And this this kind of desire to be self-employed, being entrepreneur, you know, working for yourself, did that come from anywhere, say, in your family? Was, was you know, had somebody else done the same thing that you were inspired by them? 
No. no. <laughs> I mean, my dad came, became self-employed later on. Hmm. But, you know, Switzerland is very, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to start a business the way how I did in Switzerland. I don't think it would have been possible. It's just the, no. the system is not structured that way. No. Australia is a lot easier. It's just people are more open-minded. So yeah. it was definitely possible to do that in Australia. Hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's a bit more relaxed, a bit more open, a bit more entrepreneurial to yeah. where Switzerland might be a bit rigid and structured and yeah, yeah not Very so linear. free to be able to yeah. do that. Yeah, and, and also a lot more expensive as well. Yeah. What were the holistic um, practices, studies that you did and then, mm. well, yeah. obviously delivered in your business? Yeah. So I studied herbal medicine and aromatherapy, and then it went pretty soon into, um, I did like a Reiki course, and then that opened up my ability to understand energy. And so my, my work pretty much moved into that direction. So it was um, like holistic herbal medicine combined with energy healing, and then I had the cafe as well. It was a vegetarian cafe. And at the back, I had treatment rooms. So people would come in for psychic readings. They would come in and get any kind of therapy that would allow them to feel more connected to themselves. So that's that's been therapy has always been a part of a part of my passion. And well, maybe a better word would be helping others has always been a part of my yeah. passion. Yeah. And were those people that came to the cafe or you know did you you know distribute your flyers and and then yeah get people to come and well I think the cafe was really great because we had um I was on a strip that was quite busy so we had a lot of walk by traffic so people will come in and right. they would have healthy food so they would notice what else was on offer and uh, we also got a lot of um, word of mouth recommendation as well um yes. I think back in the days that was just really also how it helped your business even more so I think than today because now we focus more on online marketing yes. so it's just it just helped having that front shop and people walking in and learning more about what you do. And mm. because the, my concept was quite unique, especially for the Gold Coast, and the setup was quite unique as well. So um, I got featured in different publications as well, like MasterChef right. Melbourne wrote about it. So people would come from Melbourne, oh, I needed to come and see your teacups on the wall. So yeah. it, it really helped that it was a bit of a different concept as well. Oh, sounds amazing. Mm. And so why did you not? Stick with it over there. Well, then there was love. <laughs> <laughs> then there was love. So my husband lived on the West Coast. I lived on the East Coast. And we thought, well, what do we do? Is he going to break everything up and move into my life? Or do I give everything up and move into his life? Yes. And I've done that once before. Right. <laughs> and it ended in tears. So we thought, well, why don't we start somewhere from scratch? And there will never be any resentment. We just both have a fresh start together. We can build together. And that really made sense at the time. So we decided, well, maybe we're done with Australia for the time being. So let's look at the other countries. And wow. um, yeah, we, we picked Hong Kong. So we moved to Hong Kong and that meant um, Soul of the Cafe. He finished up. He works in corporate. So he got a job there and off we went to Hong Kong. So yeah, I'm not sure if I still would have the cafe now because it was a lot of hard work. I mean, it's, I think, you know, mm. having a cafe is like romantic dreaming. It's, it's yes. like, it'll be really nice, but it's really hard work. Of course it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, we um, we just decided I would finish everything up and he would as well. And we moved to Hong Kong together. And then I, I, a part of me was like, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. You know, I thought, well, maybe I could get back into health foods again and maybe working that but um yeah it just it just went back to doing therapy work doing coaching so I started building my coaching business and then we also um after the first year I started building my coaching business again doing it all online because before it was all in person and then I opened up a health retreat in Hong Kong so I offered coaching and people would come and day to night and they could have yoga with yoga teachers so that was my next business adventure okay so i'm i'm a tiny <laughs> little bit confused now 
<laughs> so let me ask the first question that's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What attracted you to Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, Hong I've never Kong? been. I've never been. I've never been. And we looked at Brazil. We looked at um, Thailand, and they all sounded really wonderful. And my husband was going for my husband's job, so for me, I knew I probably would just start a business doing something. Yes. And we thought Hong Kong would make sense because of the language. Right. So for me to be able to start something there and it was a good decision i've never been i was like why not i'm open let's do it right. so we, we we went and had a look i was like yep yeah, i think i can live here so we moved you're very adventurous aren't you in that respect <laughs> i mean i yeah. would have had to be very very sure about that you know that's a i mean that's a big cultural change i mean was it already independent at that time, Hong Kong? Was it independent from the UK then? Or yeah. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it already was. Already. was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow, fantastic. Okay, so mm. you just went right, yeah. incredible, mm-hmm. and then setting up the business. So tell tell me again, mm-hmm. what you you said you decided to do coaching. Well, if you yeah. do coaching, you have to study coaching. You've got to get a yeah. diploma or a coaching qualification, mm-hmm. right? So did yeah. you do all that as well in Hong Kong? Yeah. I when I f- Just as I was transitioning out of Australia to Hong Kong, I did do that. And yes. um, so it was just to get the structural basis. I mean, doing what I've done before already yes. – gave me a bit of an idea because I would do psychic readings and energy healing and all of that. So I was yes. talking to people already all day long, but there was desire instead of me telling them that it would feel better to coach them and actually allow them to get their own answers versus me telling them what they should be doing next or what I feel would be aligned for them. So yes. I did do that. And um, yeah, so that was then, that then moved into a life coaching and right. Um, I did that for quite a while along with the health retreat, which, which was an, a year later. So it was a combination mm-hmm. of people coming to stay. I would help them figure out what to do with their lives. So how to find deeper inner happiness yeah. or how to feel more connected to themselves. They would come and stay the night and have some healthy food. So I did that and yeah, build it also, also start to build my online coaching business along the way as well. And I did that till five years ago because I noticed there was a trend that people would come to me mostly for love. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they were coming to my personal healing sessions in the cafe, they would always ask me, when will I meet the one? Will I stay in the relationship? Oh, yeah. We're no longer being intimate. I'm not sure what to do. Should I stay? Should I go? And I just noticed love was always one of the biggest topics, like love yeah. and career, but usually love first. Yes. <laughs> and I felt that, you know, as I was coaching, I felt like, yeah, I'm, you know, I can coach you because it is about you. But I also felt that I was lacking more in-depth knowledge about relationship and also about intimacy because a lot of people come to me as well especially in Hong Kong I'm mm-hmm. having an affair or my partner's having an affair and it was something that I felt I wasn't necessarily really well enough equipped to really understand the depth the root problems of, of affairs or sexuality or intimacy so I went to I went to study that and I became certified in that right. and then that and how, I've been to. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. How do you get certified in that? What, yeah. There so, are courses out there that you can take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are training certifications. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I um, found um, found something that really spoke to me. And right. I thought that makes a lot of sense. And I liked what they were teaching. And I also liked that it's helped me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Most and foremost. So I went with that. Yeah. And then that really changed my business. It really allowed me to find my passion. Yeah. And my business has just been evolving from there. And yeah, it's 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 beautiful work. I feel like it's needed work because I most of us are in relationships in one way or the other. Yeah. Most of us 
want to be intimate, whether it's with ourselves or with somebody else. And it's something that we don't really talk about. Sometimes we can feel quite alone in it. And I feel like we should talk about it more. So I became quite passionate to give people the opportunity to receive the support that they seek in that because it can feel quite alone. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. And um, this you set this up in Hong Kong, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And um, just a, a thing you mentioned that I didn't get completely straight in my mind, and if I don't get it straight, maybe the listeners don't either. Mm-hmm. The, the health retreat was a physical mm-hmm. space that people yeah. came to. So yeah. did you have to rent a space or was it in your home or where? how did that work, the actual retreat bit? Yeah, so we were really lucky. We found this beautiful place in Hong Kong. You wouldn't even think that it really exists. Um, it had a private beach. It was in one of the islands. So we had to get on a ferry to get to, so we lived there and we had some rooms set up that with en suites that people could come and stay and practice yoga and just to really retreat from the city because the city is quite intense. Yes. Um, It's high population. It's very Mm. fast paced. So people could have a getaway and just to, just to be and to connect with themselves more, be surrounded by nature, by the jungle. So it was relatively f- close to the ferry pier, but we were also secluded as well where we didn't really have any neighbours. So it was very, right. very special for Hong Kong. Wow. Okay. Got it. Got it. And do you still have it now or not? No, no. no. We're, I'm in Spain right now. So okay. no. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. We'll come back to Spain. Right. Okay, so, and did you do the coaching from mm-hmm. your retreat place as well, face to face or yeah, online face to or? face and online, both. Yeah, both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. both. Okay, so what happened next then? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and here I am, five years later, and still doing the coaching. It's it's mostly online. Um, yeah. Pre-COVID, I would travel and hold retreats or workshops internationally, but that's become a bit harder. So it's it's pretty much all online. Yeah. And still loving it very much. Brilliant. Mm. And this is this is mainly work that you do one-on-one with people, correct? Yeah. 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 So I do one-on-one and couples as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Yeah. yeah. And group coaching as well. So right now I'm running a group coaching program. So, but it's for women only. And um, yeah, so I offer that as well. Okay, brilliant. Mm. And so tell us a little bit about, if you're able to, you know, mm-hmm. what what are some of the significant things that you've discovered? You've been doing it for five years now, mm. correct? Yeah. yeah, four years I studied and then, yeah, for four years. Yeah. Four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've spoken to a lot of people and coached mm-hmm. a lot of people in that time, I'm sure, and mm-hmm. couples. And, and so are there any trends, like themes or things that you notice that keep repeating across, you know, people? <laughs> <laughs> what have you noticed, Natalie? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> there is so many. I think one of, I mean, I have realized that our upbringing has really got a huge impact on the way how we relate with others. So yes. seeing our parents relating with each other, because it's the first people we learn from, and how did they show love to themselves and to each other. Yes. And we learn from them. and. Um, also how did they show love to us has a huge impact as well in the way how we are then giving love and receiving love from others and the world. So that is just, and it's something that I always look at with, with everybody that I coach, because we need to understand how are we actually receiving and how are we giving love? Mm. Because it's, if we are not having our needs met, then 
usually it's there's something inside of ourselves that maybe we might have had a lack of when we were growing up that we're able just not to open up or we're blocking it or we're not maybe asking for it the right way. So it's really important that we are looking at that. And something else I've noticed is actually that a lot of people, they, they want to receive love or they want to feel love, but a lot of them also have a really hard time to receive love fully, to yes. really be loved. And even though I would say loving, love from others can sometimes be a lot kinder than we can love ourselves. So yes, I just want to repeat that. So the love from others can sometimes be a lot of a lot kinder than we are actually loving ourselves. Yes. So the the tricky part is to actually really receive it because sometimes somebody can give you such a nice compliment, but you're yeah. not really receiving it. So I yeah. feel like a lot of us, a common theme is that we are somewhere holding back from experiencing the love or the intimacy that we desire. We might really long for it, but yeah. there's usually a reason back from childhood that's actually blocking us from receiving or experiencing that. So that's a really common block. Another real common block when it comes mm. to intimacy is that after about 18 months to two years, when there is a chemical hormone called PEA, that tends to drop. So at first you meet somebody, you're full of passion, you're full of desire, you can't keep your hands off each other. But after about two years, that tends to drop. So I notice a lot of relationships become more comfortable. Yes. And sex doesn't necessarily mean it becomes bad, but often it becomes more less frequent and yeah. it can become more comfortable because we just tend to stick to what we know and with time then we go like well you know first we had all this hormone fueled sex and it was really amazing but now I'm maybe craving a little bit more so we also might find ourselves not experiencing what it is that we really want because yeah. when we are fueled by hormones everything feels so much better yeah. <laughs> so with time, we also might know as well, actually, hang on, maybe there's a different type of touch I desire. Or maybe there's a different way I would like my partner to initiate for me to actually experience pleasure. Mm. So we start to notice these things after about two years. And I see this really, really common when people come to me, well, you know, just no longer the same. And it's like, well, yeah, there's a reason for that. Because sometimes we go like, well, what's wrong? But yes. there is reasons for that. And often we don't have the tools to support ourselves or support the relationship to be, to make it be what we actually want it to be so what you're saying then i'm try, i'm paraphrasing a little bit and i'm i'm no expert at this whatsoever mm -hmm. but um you're saying there is there's a chemical that mm -hmm. takes place in the beginning when you have all of that desire the passion the lust that takes place and that then kind of reduces over time mm -hmm. and instead of doing things differently everybody or not everybody but there there is a expectation that things should be how they used to be and they're not mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. and then people yeah. have really need to be looking for other ways of keeping it alive really keeping that yeah, relationship exactly. alive yeah, exactly. Uh, rather than expecting it to go back to how it was before, because it can't be because the chemical isn't there anymore. It's reduced over yeah. time. So it's yeah. a physiological thing. And I, I don't think people necessarily know about that, do they? No, no, because we just wonder what's happening. And, you know, because intimacy and sex is such a taboo topic and often we find it really hard to discuss with the person that we are intimate with so mm. we're not even having these conversations we just tend to slowly drift away yes. and often if we do have the conversation it's also a tricky one to have because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings we don't want to upset the other person we might even experience some personal shame to talk about it yes. so a lot is at play that actually affects our intimacy with others and we're yeah. not aware and that's that's the thing. That's what we you know. Where do we learn about it? I mean, we where <laughs> school? We don't learn about pleasure. Um, pornography. No. Well, it gives us a little bit of an idea of what you know pleasure could be, but it's not really the real pleasure that actually is available to us. So, no. yeah, we sometimes can feel a bit stuck and a bit alone, and just like, okay, well, now there's like this elephant in the room. How do we how do we reconnect? And it yeah. really is just a matter of 
learning and staying curious and because we thrive by novelty. So we need to stay being curious so we can rediscover and our body is such an amazing, I don't know what you want, it's just, it's so amazing that there's so much it can feel that we're not even aware of. So there's always, there's always more to learn. There's always more to discover. And yeah. it's not just inside the bedroom. It's just about outside the bedroom as well. Like we constantly evolve, we constantly grow. So we also need to stay keeping curious if the person that we're with and, you know, what's happening? How have you evolved and where are you at now? And mm. I think we tend to work so much on our career and everything else in life that we just put so much energy into. But when it comes to our relationship, it's because it's there. Yes. <laughs> we we stop staying curious. We, yes. we just become comfortable. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of People talk about this, um, specifically Tony Robbins, I'm sure you're familiar with, with Sage. You know, they talk about it. That's that's his wife, Sage. And, you know, they they have um, they ha I, some years ago now, I watched their whole DVD series around this and it all made so much sense. Mm. But it's one thing kind of. Uh, intellectually understanding it, there mm -hmm. is another thing actually putting it into practice um, yeah. and learning how to do that. So, yeah. and it, and you're right, nobody learns this anywhere. Mm. And therefore, it's not surprising. I don't know what the stats are anymore because I don't follow them, but. That's why so many relationships fail. I'm not just talking marriage. I'm talking relationships yeah. per yeah. se. Because mm. I've even seen it in my stepsons. You know, they mm. have relationships with girls and it stops. Or, mm. or they get back together again and then it breaks up again and then back together and they break up again. Mm. And it, it might not always be about the intimate intimacy, but mm. it might just be about intimacy on an intellectual level as well mm. so and i suppose again i tell me if i've got this wrong but it's if intellectually you've got to start with it at some place intellectually because you've got to have the courage to even start inquiring about it mm. <laughs> start opening the conversation about it and i think mm. Anyway, in in past experience, <laughs> that's the hardest bit. There is there is no mm. question about it. It's actually starting the conversation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that's another thing we don't learn. How do we even have these conversations on how so somebody can actually hear us? <laughs> yes. I think a lot of times we don't even feel heard or we don't, you know, we just, because we have maybe if we haven't had our emotional needs or intimate needs met, usually resentment builds up over time. Mm. And then we either we withdraw and we don't talk about it. And then maybe at some point we, it might come up in a fight or it just yes. might explode at some point. Yeah. And <clears throat> usually when that happens, there's no way the other person can hold that because mm. all they hear is blame. <laughs> yeah. And to just sit down and then also making sure that the that the conversation doesn't create go into an argument either is also hard. So you know, I feel like it's also important that we do have the right communication tools so we can ourselves express ourselves honestly and vulnerably, and also that the other person hears us and doesn't come from a place of it's all blame or I failed yes. or I'm not good enough, because it's very easy just to go like. Yeah. Oh, I mean, are you are you are you blaming me right now? Because sometimes when we use certain words or a certain dialogue, it can come across as as blame. Yeah. So it is important that we also learn how to communicate. And um, something that I help my clients like, okay, how can we have these tricky conversations mm. that you can speak your truth, but it actually doesn't come across as blame to the other person, so they can actually hear you <laughs> yeah. and yeah. not withdraw. So. Yeah. 
it's 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 really important. So I agree with your conversation. And and you know, you spoke earlier that we can have all these knowledge, and I agree. We can we can study and learn, but at the end of the day, we also need to feel it. We need mm. to feel it in our body. We need to feel it in our body, in, in our being. So a lot of things. So I usually show my clients how to communicate and then also how to embody it. Because sometimes we can have all the com- all conversations. Like I have conversations with my husband and I can tell him the same thing a million times and it just, he hears it, but he's not feeling it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we're staying in this rut. So what I've learned in myself and also what I'm helping people is how can we actually express in an embodied way? Because we can maybe talk about it and learn about it and understand, have awareness there. But mm. if you're not necessarily feeling the breakthrough or feeling the experience, then it just doesn't, nothing really changes. So for example, if I'm, if I'm upset about something, instead of using, like, I really just sit down and I tell him, let's just say like, you know, he keeps putting his glass on, 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 on the table without putting a little coaster down, just for example. Yes. And you know, it's like, oh, you just keep, just, can you just put, you know, coaster down and maybe I need to tell him 10, 20 times and he just keeps forgetting not because he wants to hurt me it's just that no. somehow in his nervous system and is in his mind he just doesn't think it's important and just yeah. forgets mm. so here I am probably my deeper stories doesn't care about me I'll probably go just get upset about that but then my deeper stories will be like oh he doesn't care about me he doesn't even mm. want he doesn't he doesn't care about me so mm. I will project that most likely in one way or the other and I keep telling him can you just you know maybe I get a bit anger maybe I try to ask sweetly but for mm. some reason he doesn't hear it mm. so if I also tell him you know what be really helpful to me is if you put a coaster down, because that will help me to feel really cared for. And then also maybe I just tell him if there's like a general, I mean, you know, it's a superficial thing, but if it's just mm. like, just maybe just tell him like, and I show him in an embodied expression, <laughs> how yes. frustrating or how painful or how sad that makes me. Yeah. And when I'm showing it in my whole being, he can feel it because otherwise he just hears words and probably tell me that's like, oh, that's nagging. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows what he hears, but you know, he just. Yeah. But if he, usually when he can feel in my expression, I really show him how it makes me feel and the importance of it. And I mm. make a request. It's amazing. Then he's like, oh yeah. Oh, I had no idea that was so important to you. Of course, if that's how you feel. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I had no idea. So. Having these tools really make a difference because yes. I feel supported. He feels like he can serve me. He can support me in that. And 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 that's that really has been a huge relationship game changer for me and mm-hmm. and for others as well. Just having that communication and being more in our authentic expression and showing the other person what's going on versus holding back, holding back, and then maybe through passive aggression, maybe slam a door, maybe it will pump charging out some point later. Yeah. And yeah. So that's been fascinating. That was so helpful to, you know, show, albeit a very silly example. Hmm. But I think sometimes it's through those silly things that things blow up between hmm. people who are in relationships together. And yeah. it could be literally that little thing that just, you know, explodes because. Yeah. As you said, there's been a buildup of tension over a mm. period of time where neither party has wanted to really say what they would like to say and yeah. they don't know how to say it in a way, as you said, so that it can be felt rather than just heard or not heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's important that we also under, understand ourselves in that. Hence, I was talking in the beginning, we need to learn <clears throat> about ourselves more as well. Um, what are our deeper triggers? What are our deeper wounds? So right now I'm being really triggered by you not putting the coaster down, but that's probably, if I am being triggered, that's yeah. also telling me there's something else that I probably need to look at yes. because maybe a part of me feels really neglected. Maybe a part of me has always felt 
maybe maybe my parents didn't really listen to me when I needed them to listen, yes. for example. Yes. So that could just me projecting the not being listened to onto my husband. So I'm like, you're never listening to me, you're not listening to what I've got to say, you don't hear me. So yes. that can also come out me being triggered and projecting all of that onto him. So mm. Letting him, that's my stuff I need to work on, but I can also ask him for support. It would be really helpful and doing it in a way that he can hear me, that he actually wants to help me is really important. So it's self-responsibility, but then also allowing others to also come in and and love us and support us. Yeah, I I totally concur with your mentioning kind of past conditioning that comes up for us Mm -hmm. and i've been doing some research on that myself for myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm i'm interested in holistic therapies i i trained in in a few myself over the years i don't Mm -hmm. practice them today but i'm i'm a a let's call it a lifelong learner about the human mind and the human body Mm -hmm. and um I was studying uh, a concept by in Buddhism called independent, no, dependent, not independent, dependent mm-hmm. origination. Don't know mm-hmm. if you come across it at all. It's one of mm-hmm. the eight noble truths that uh, Buddha taught. And in there, there are like 12 cycles around conditioning, really, and how we respond because of what our conditioning from being very, very young. Mm-hmm. And, and noticing that in order to reduce it is mm-hmm. quite tricky. And, mm-hmm. and you quite rightly mentioning these examples, you know, maybe as a child I wasn't listened to, and that can be conditioned over time, having that feeling mm-hmm. that I'm not listened to, and that will show up everywhere it might not be your partner it might be your boss or your yeah. friend or you know the person on the customer service line that's not hearing what you've got to say about your yeah. complaint so yeah it's it's a fascinating area of human mind and yeah. and what we hold on to for the rest of our lives yeah absolutely it really is and i Something I um, I talk about in my coaching as well, which has really been like just even I look at protective roles. Mm. So I like to call them protective roles. So we could have maybe protective roles like the independent, good girl, good boy, rescuer, caretaker, lone wolf. <clears throat> and, you know, these are all roles that we naturally are and embody and that we carry. Yes. But sometimes they can be... Um, amplified so they can be over-functioning or under-functioning mm. and when we like in an, in an over-functioning protective role of let's say a man was the caretaker for a long time I would just wanting to caretake of everybody let me let me take let me take care of you and but mm. my my wound was then I was like well nobody's taking care of me yes <laughs> that was my story so I had to work with that and mm. Um, it's it's important that we, that we realize because I feel like a lot of the times relationships we also show up in our in our protective role role mate roles so instead of soulmates sometimes we can come in as role mates so my husband would be the avoidant and I was the caretaker so I'd be like let me caretake caretake of you and he'd be like oh great well Nat's doing everything so I don't really have to do much <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, I was encouraging his not having to step in or not having to open up because I would just, you know, create this environment where I'd be like nurturing, taking care of everything and just being that caretaker. And I thought I was doing a great job, but I also realized it was just not serving either of us. So I had to do a lot of work. And what happened then is it started to balance and polarize our relationship in a healthier way. So it is important that we look at those protective roles is they they stem from they stem from childhood because yeah. um, not receiving or experiencing in a certain moment or in certain environments where we not really I felt like I had to do something so my parents would see the attention and then they would you know give me the attention that I desired yes. <laughs> so yes. it it fueled that role and 
deep down, I was not having my needs met mm. because I just wanted to, I thought, well, the more love I give, then, you know, hopefully I'll give something back. But it was not, it was not being me authentic. So I need, yeah. I, I had to work on that. So, yeah. It, it's it's very fascinating and important to know if we're not experiencing the love that we desire, if we're not experiencing the intimacy desire, but mm. again, where am I blocking myself? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you quite rightly say it starts with ourselves, doesn't it? Mm. Rather than looking at the other person, we've got to examine our own behavior our own conditioning our own yeah stuff <laughs> first that's where it yeah. has to start yeah. yeah yeah fascinating and how do people you know get started um i mean how do you even how do you even get people interested <laughs> in wanting to do to kind of deal with it you know, mm. yeah, I mean, there has to be a willingness there because you know, ignorance can be quite blissful, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but also, um, I think when people realize deeper down, I want more, deeper down, I'm not having my needs met, deeper down, I do want to experience a relationship that I desire, I do want to experience a sex life that I desire, I mm. do want to experience more fullness and more riches in my life because yeah. I can see I'm blocking somewhere, I can see there's a pattern, people mm. will then realize, you know what, yeah, I know there can be more. So that's when they're usually wanting, because there's a desire there. I yeah. always feel like if there's a desire and we're ready to experience that desire, that's usually when people reach out to me. So, yeah. And I usually take them on a journey. It's like first understanding, yeah. then there is a healing process. Then we look at, you know, what is my desire? And then we create a transformation process to get them to where they want to be. Oh, wow. And mm. is it then a maintenance as well after that? Or is it a case, on a case-by-case -case basis where people kind of go, well, okay, we're going to try something out. And then we'll come back to you and say, well, we've got blockages or we're stuck or. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's very different. So some people, they will feel like, right, like I'm feeling, this is really, I'm feeling really good mm. and um, I've experienced what I wanted to experience. And I mean, there's always more, I mean, life, there's always more, there's yes. always more. Some yes. people feel like, yeah, this, this, this has been great. Some people feel like, yeah, you know, I'm ready for this next thing. Or some people say they want to come back later, or some people want to continue on. Some people just like to have the continuous support because yes. they just like to be coached. They want to have somebody that's there to hold space and mm. to guide them and support them. So it really is an individual case, but normally it's a minimum of a three-month journey because right. I work with the nervous system as well. So I know, again, in order to feel, we can know things, but if you really want to feel it, it does take time. So it's usually a minimum of a three-month journey where we go there. I'm here to support you. I'm here to guide you and, yeah, walk you on that path to your desire. Yeah. It's it's really interesting that you say three months. I I have this theory um, that when people have, let's say, some illness in their body, physic physical mm -hmm. illness, and they have to be treated for that, or they've had an injury, and they have to mm -hmm. be treated for that. I I. And I don't know how, this is just like an intuition, really. I've seen it happen mm. to somebody specifically. They were in hospital for three months and then they came out. I wouldn't say 100% healed, but healed enough to go back into life, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I believe there is that kind of, I don't know what it is, 13 weeks, let's call it a quarter or whatever of the year, where people mm. seem to get to a point of, being healed um yeah. where they can you know go go back into life again so yeah, yeah fascinating three months I, I think you're 100% right on that yeah 100% yeah it's not a weekend it's not a you know one two three sessions it's 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 like this continuous kind of tapping away on it um so that it becomes you know a a, con a new conditioned response yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. yeah, it takes time because we have to remember we've been like this for maybe many years when I talk to people. It's like, so how long have you been feeling that way? Oh, a long time. All Great. my life, yeah. <laughs> All my life, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, this is, it, you know, it's not just a magic pill we can take. We have to, especially if we work with the nerves, it takes time to rewire. We can learn and we have the awareness, but again, feeling it, it takes mm. time. It mm. takes time. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. It's just really, really fascinating. And I, I generally could talk more about this topic, but I, I, I guess I would need to sign up to your program <laughs> in order to do so. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Natalie, if, if any of this resonated with them and they, they want to come on your program? Yeah. So you can um, reach me on my website, which is my full name. So it's nataliesummer.com. And I've also got a quiz on there. So if you want to learn more about um, your Eros archetype, then you can take the quiz. There will tell you more about your intimacy and the way how you're wired. And also I run um, group coaching programs as well that usually go for four months. So it's also a transformative journey. If, if a group of women come together, it's called Whole Magnetic Her. So it's really about you stepping into your wholeness, into your magnetism, and just really looking at all aspects of what it means to be a woman of today. Yeah. And I also have got a private Facebook group called Eros Temple for the Modern Woman. And in there are lots of content creation videos, Facebook lives that they're just open to anybody that would like to join. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure people will be checking this out when they listen to this. It's been a real pleasure hearing your story and all the amazing work you're doing. So thank you so much for your time. And if if you do come to the UK at any point in the future, do let me know. Yeah. If, 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 if the stars are aligned and we can meet up somewhere for a coffee or a bite to eat, I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be really nice to see you in person. And yeah. thank you so much for having me and for allowing me to share my story. It, yeah, it was really a pleasure talking with you today. Brilliant, Natalie. Take care. All the best for now. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe and share at will. I'm always looking for more listeners and guests, so do get in touch, please. You can find me pretty easily by searching for Staying Alive UK. Thank you. Staying Alive UK. Share your story.